What's up, people? It's a weekend edition of Just for Sports. I'm OK Davis here with you. Hope you're doing well. In this podcast of Just for Sport, we're going to talk about the NFL draft and looking forward to the second round of the NBA playoffs. And, uh, yeah, what's scaring me about Major League Baseball right now? A surprise. A surprise at Major League Baseball. And we'll get into that. But first, as we get to the end of the NFL draft, it was a really good home. Uh, It made you feel good. If you were a Steelers fan, you're a Washington football team fan, it was all right. You know, I thought when Washington had the 11th pick, I thought, ooh, we're going to make some moves. And they didn't. And I'll get into that, but first I want to just talk about experiencing the draft for the first time, at least part of the draft, because I wasn't there the whole time. Um, But seeing the pomp and circumstance for the setup, it was interesting as I looked back and I watched the draft throughout the whole uh, six rounds, and really mostly watching one, two, and three, where I was really, you know, kind of turning the channel to the draft, watching it on different networks, ESPN, ABC, NFL Network, seeing updates from other uh, news outlets as well, especially the local ones in Washington and Pittsburgh. But the, the thing that when I look back on the actual draft, the event that was happening in Las Vegas... You know what? Las Vegas might not be good for the draft. Now, of course, yes, the city can handle it. That's not what it's about. But there were, at the time there, there were three big events. The draft and getting ready for the draft, but there were two big conferences, CinemaCon and NAB, which had thousands and thousands of people there. But... I felt like Vegas is too big and glitzy and glamorous. Where one, I was looking for Deborah Vance because I do like hacks, but I didn't see any billboards for hacks. But the NFL draft almost got swallowed up in Las Vegas. If you were there, I'd be curious if you felt the same way, had the same experience. Maybe not if you were only there and immersed in the NFL. But for somebody who was there, knowing the draft was going to be there, but also there for another conference, you just felt like, okay, it was just another day in Vegas. And maybe L.A. and New York are like that too. It's weird that this year it's lining up this way. I was in L.A. the week of the Oscars. And I felt like nobody was paying attention really to the Academy Awards. I would go around and ask some people once in a while, hey, you excited about the Academy Awards? They'd be like, oh, what? What is it? Oh, yeah, okay. Now, I would see some fans. You know, I took a picture of some fans. They all shared on Twitter, which I should have at the time. I don't know why I didn't. Some Buffalo Bills fans who were all decked out in regalia. 
you know, you would see everybody wearing a jersey, but you felt like, no, this is just Vegas. Another weekend in Vegas. And I imagine, like I said, maybe not in L.A. and New York, but if you're in Chicago or if you held a draft in Atlanta, I know I talk about D.C. and Pittsburgh a lot, but just any, you know, Tampa. Let's say you held a draft in Tampa. It would literally take over the city. Everything would be about the draft, and it would be excitement, a buzz in the city. But there was no buzz in Vegas, not the same way. It just it just wasn't the same. And I wonder if for local fans of the Raiders or even the Vegas Golden Knights, where it's just, oh, yeah, it's just another team. You know, I look back when I think about Summer League, and it was just like, you know, yeah, the stadiums were packed. Maybe sometimes you showed out. You know, if you knew a high draft pick was going to be playing, like the year Zion and John Morant were rookies recently, you know, maybe you get a few more people trickling into Vegas. But there's so many bachelor and bachelorette parties and whatever other thing is going on in Vegas and the shows and everything else. Vegas is almost too glitzy, too glamorous to have an event like the draft like something that should be a big deal in that city. Like, yay, it's coming here. It felt like Vegas was like, oh, whatever, whatever. Now, uh, now we can get to my team, the Washington Commanders. I'm going to start trying to call them the Washington Commanders. I'm going to try my best. Now, they didn't really get a good grade on many of the outlets that I uh, pay attention to. Um, and that was somewhat disappointing. Now, they got a B. And that was okay. But, I mean, I guess also because I went to Pitt. Penn State wide receiver, Jahan Dotson. Ugh. All right, number 16. There was nothing that got me hyped about the Washington football team picks. I will say that the fact that they were able to get Sam Howell on day three, I mean, a fifth round pick. I think was really good for them. You know, no, I don't think he will um, outshadow Carson Wentz. But if he does, it's like, wow, the Washington Washington got a steal in the draft. I mean, Sam Howell, in some rankings, as far as quarterbacks, he was number three behind Willis and Pickett. And to think he fell all the way to day three, the 144th pick to the Washington Commanders. That's not bad. That's not bad.
They needed some help at wide receiver. Dotson, Dotson. I don't know if y'all remember that from Jurassic Park, but then anytime I see the name Dotson, that's what I think about. Dotson, Dotson here. He will be a good compliment to Terry McLaurin, which is great. And still, you know what? We'll see with Carson. I don't know. But they also drafted a defensive tackle and a running back from Alabama. If you get players from Alabama, you should be getting some solid players. For Darian Mathis, the defensive tackle to Alabama at the number 47th pick and Alabama running back Ryan Robinson with the 98th pick. Nothing special in the end from this draft. Nothing special. But, okay, we'll see what they do. They got a safety and Percy Butler, a guard and Chris Paul. Not that Chris Paul. A tight end. Oh, my gosh, we have so many issues with tight ends. Oh, no, maybe he's a steal. And quarterback Christian Holmes. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay. It was all right. You look at some of the better teams in the NFL, you're like, oh, boy. Tampa Bay got an A. Tennessee got an A. And they got Malik Willis. And I don't know if it's fair, but the first thing I thought about when Tennessee got Malik Willis was Steve McNair. Like, oh, okay. I wonder if that's, you know, I don't know why it reminded me of him, but it wasn't, you know, like I was thinking about it before. Tennessee should drive, you know, Malik Willis. But Tampa got an A. The Philadelphia Eagles, everybody's talking about how good the Philadelphia Eagles draft was. Oh, boy. They got a Georgia defensive tackle in Jordan Davis, which actually I I wanted to get his jersey number 99 when he was with Georgia. Maybe I had to see if I could find a Davis jersey somewhere. Somewhere. Got to get a Davis jersey from the Steelers, too. And the crazy thing is I mentioned Georgia is Georgia broke the record with 15 players drafted from Georgia. That's a lot. And I know that, you know, everybody is, I even just mentioned Alabama, but to think that Georgia, who actually for most of the year was the best team in college football, and it showed. They won their first national championship. And then they win the NFL draft. How about that? We'll see how they do in the NFL. That's going to be the key. That's going to be the key. But I digress. Another team that did well in the draft, as you expect them to every year, as it was the last year for the GM, Kevin Colbert. The Steelers. The Steelers got an A- minus in the draft. Of course they did. Because they are the Steelers. But the feel-good story is Kenny Pickett being drafted number 20th overall. He played for my alma mater. Alma mater. Gosh, I can't talk. Let's go Pitt! He played for the University of Pittsburgh. Had his best season ever. One of the best seasons by any Pittsburgh Panthers quarterback. 
And now he goes from one set of double doors at the practice facility to the other set of double doors right next door in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it was beautiful seeing on social media how all of the the, the coach, pit coach, Pat Narduzzi, and some of Kenny Pickett's pit teammates were welcoming him back to the pit Panthers and Pittsburgh Steelers practice facility as he was arriving there for his first, I guess, first day reporting as a professional player. That was pretty cool. He's familiar with the surroundings, familiar with the practice facility. I'm sure that the NFL players and coaches, okay, maybe the coaches can't tamper and talk to Kenny Pickett, but maybe once in a while you saw him. That was a beautiful thing. That was really, really cool to see. And I'm happy for him. Similar to how Carson Wentz is playing on a new team in Washington. The Pittsburgh Steelers got a new quarterback that... Okay, uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen when a team brings in a veteran quarterback, especially someone who's replacing Ben Roethlisberger. And to think that Mitch Trubisky comes in, he was with the Bears, then he's with Buffalo, and you hear all of the, oh yeah, you know, that was a steal, a free agency, he was sitting out there, he was inexpensive. But you know what everybody's going to say. Oh, Kenny Pickett, bring him in. So if you're Mitch Trubisky, he's like, yo, I don't want to be a backup. You know, okay, I'm not going to buy a house. I'm just going to rent something because I'm only going to be here maybe a year. Maybe I'll play four games. And if Kenny Pickett does well, everybody's going to be calling for Kenny Pickett. If I get injured, everybody's going to be calling for Kenny Pickett. I mean, at least in Washington where Carson Wentz, not many people are going to be calling for Sam Howell the same way. But you best believe Kenny Pickett's walking into that locker room like, oh, this is my team. Mitch, just hold that quarterback position for me, you know, maybe till the start of training camp. Let me show what I got, and all of a sudden I'm the starter, and you're you're my backup. And that's a tough position to be in. That's got to be tough. But the Steelers got an A-. minus. And they didn't stop there with stealing everybody's heart with great moves. Now look, am I going to act like I follow every team in the draft? No, I don't. So maybe, yes, there are probably a lot of other wonderful stories from the draft that I may be missing out on. But I liked how the Pittsburgh Steelers also drafted Connor Hayward. Now he is the Younger brother of the all-pro defensive tackle, Cameron Hayward. 
And it's funny when you read the stories that Cam was trying to figure out who he was on the phone with. So that was, you know, kind of funny to see. He's a tight end. And the Steelers took him at 208. And you'll see a little video of the two of them together being interviewed about him being drafted by the Steelers. That was pretty cool. And of course, as Connor was trying to be coy and walking away from his brother, when Cam was like, who, who got you? Who got you? Cam's phone rang and it was Mike Tomlin. I guess Connor was going to try to prank his brother, but it didn't work out because Coach Tomlin was already calling Cam. There are four sets of brothers on NFL teams, and the Steelers have the most with four pairs, which is pretty, pretty cool. Now, whether he'll do well as a tight end, Possibly. But it's also funny because as much as Kenny Pickett has been around the Pittsburgh Steelers facility, Connor has a lot. Cam said a, had a funny quote. He said, quote, you think Kenny Pickett's been around our facility a lot. Connor's been right there, too. If Kenny is giving the tours, Connor's giving the detours. That's really that's a funny line. That is a really funny line. And now Cam and Connor get to be on the same team. He could kind of help his younger brother uh, ease his way into what life is like for an NFL player. And I'm sure in many ways he's already been telling him because they're brothers. But now you, you know, you kind of really get an opportunity to help mold him into uh, what should be a solid NFL veteran. And so that's really cool. That's really cool. And I'm excited to see both, both the Steelers and the Washington football team play this year. I mean, I, I, I was surprised that Sam Howell dropped as far as he did as a quarterback. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, maybe. Maybe we did get a steal. That is a possibility. Speaking of possibilities, I'm off of the NFL and I'm switching to the NBA. And it's quite possible. It is quite possible that Doc Rivers found a new way to mess up his team's chances of winning an NBA championship. Now we can't take the NBA championship with the Boston Celtics away from him. We can't. And I'm not going to. I am not going to. But what I am going to say, and I think it's fair to say, even if he wants to say it's not that big of a deal. 
Coach Rivers, with 3 minutes and 59, 58 seconds to go in the game as they are blowing out the Toronto Raptors and they're up 29, still had Joel Embiid in the game. Why? I question that during the regular season when the team is up 20 and is less than five minutes to go. It's stupid. And it was another stupid decision. You talk about all the times that, you know, Doc Rivers is, I'm not talking about whether the circumstances of how he was up 3-1 and ended up losing the series. Bottom line is that is his record. You can make up excuses for everything. But one of the things that no matter how smart you are of a head coach, how uh, decorated you are of a head coach, it doesn't matter who you are. Whenever I see stars in and they're up 20 plus points with less than five minutes to go, I always question why are they in the game? And Doc Rivers may very well have found a new way to destroy his team of another team of winning an NBA championship. Because he left Joel Embiid in the game with 29 up 29 points. He suffers a right facial fracture and a mild concussion from an elbow by Pascal Siakam of your Toronto Raptors. They were going to win the series. Doc Rivers said, oh, I was about to take him out. Every team, every game does that. You know, you wait till the four, three minute mark. You can say you wait until the four and three minute mark. Okay. But not when you're up 29 points. Not when you're up 29 points. Now you got to try to play the Miami Heat. And then my, I, come on, there's very little chance. There is very, very, very little chance. And I think that Joel Embiid is going to come back. I mean, he certainly won't come back and be 100%. You think Miami isn't going to, look, he already hurt his thumb. So let's remember that too. The thumb isn't fully healed either. Now you got an orbital fracture and a concussion. You think the Heat are going to be like, oh, we'll take it easy on you, Joel. We'll chill. No, they're going to bang. The Heat are going to bang. That is a tough series that you need everybody healthy. Because by the time that series is over, your team's going to be hurting even if you won the series. Even if you won the series. Now, as we head into today, the Boston Celtics are favored over the Bucks at minus 210 for the Celtics, plus 175 for the Bucks. Grizzlies are the underdog, even though they have home court advantage at plus 215 to the Warriors at minus 265. The Heat are favored at minus 380, and the Sixers at plus 310. 
and the Suns are minus 300, and the Mavericks are plus 245. I love all four of these series. I think they're really good matchups. They're going to be very competitive games. I imagine they're going to be tight games. As I look back on how they got here, the Jazz, you need to break them up. They stink. Donovan McNabb, you're going to have to keep him, but probably get rid of Rudy Gobert. If I'm the Golden State Warriors, I say, uh, look, we'll give you James Wiseman. Probably can't give up Jordan Poole and James Wiseman. You can't give up Jordan Poole. But you give up a draft pick. Maybe an Otto Porter. And who else? Sorry, I'm trying to think of... Uh, I'm drawing a blank of who would I... Who else they would take or be like... You know, I mean, maybe a Jonathan Kaminga. But I feel like they want somebody young. Maybe... uh. Moses Moody or Juan Toscano Anderson, maybe. But you make that trade. You'd be like, yeah, give me. Give us Rudy Gobert. We know exactly how to play with him. And then they got a whole new dynasty. So we'll see what happens in Utah. I took enough on the Sixers. All right. They won whatever. The Heat. Come on. How many times are I going to tell you? You can't have your point guards your best player. Especially not, at least, especially not a diminutive one. Steph Curry. I mean, maybe the only one to do it. Because Magic Johnson was, he basically, he was a center. 6'9", 6'10", he was a center at point guard. And then I remember talking to somebody, and I always bring this up once in a while, and they were like, oh, what about Isaiah Thomas? Yeah, but he was slightly better than I think the other Hall of Famers on that team. And Joe Dumars, Dennis Rodman. Like, they had some dogs. So once again, the Hawks are out of the playoffs. Because Ice Trey can't do it all. You can easily shut down a small point guard, and that's what the Heat did. The Heat cooled the Ice Trey, melted the Ice Trey. The Suns. Thought New, New Orleans, good boy. Next year, if you get Zion back, that's a really good team. And they're relatively young. C.J. McCollum still's got some in the tank. Brandon Ingram, as I said earlier in the series, I was like, man, that's like a poor man's Kevin Durant. I'll take Brandon Ingram. But the Suns took care of business because a player that should have been MVP last year in Chris Paul instead of Nikola Jokic even though I do think Nikola Jokic is the best big man in the NBA. Look, I think what Chris Paul did was Herculean effort. The Suns were not good the year before he got there. Now they're the favorite to be NBA champs. Two years in a row. The Warriors, dispatch of Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. They're nothing. Now the Denver Nuggets next year, if you get Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray back, maybe we're talking about the Nuggets. I mean, the thing is that I like about the NBA that I don't necessarily like about the NFL, but really I don't like about Major League Baseball, is there's some parity. 
There's some parity in the NBA. There's some really good teams and talented players on those teams that you don't know from one year to the next. Who can win it all? And I love that right now about the NBA. The fact that I could talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and the Denver Nuggets, two teams that lost in the first round, but next year if they get all their players back, they're going to be a handful. That's a good thing. The Warriors, shoot, if they try and get Rudy Gobert, watch out. But right now, I say watch out anyway. They destroy the Denver Nuggets. On the other side of the ball, the Memphis Grizzlies, okay, they beat Minnesota. But you know what I say? Minnesota lost that series more than I think Memphis won it. Minnesota lost. They gave up so many double-digit leads. I can't even remember how many they gave up. I don't even want to look it up. It's embarrassing the number of double-digit leads they gave up and let Memphis back in the game and let Memphis win it. The Bucks, they, they beat the Bulls. I thought when the Bulls won game two, maybe they had a shot. The Bulls have a two-headed monster in Zach Levine. And DeMar DeRozan. But realistically, I think they need more. Nikola Vucevic just, he couldn't handle everything on the defensive end. I think they had, what's the other big guy? Patrick Williams? Maybe if he's healthy next year, they can come back. That's a solid team. But the Bucks are definitely better. But then the Bucks at the same time, the Bucks aren't 100% healthy either. And it isn't just that they aren't healthy. But I think when you think about the Milwaukee Bucks going up against the Boston Celtics and they have to play without Chris Middleton, I don't know about that one. That's tough. That was a big-time injury to the Bucks. It's the closest series. I'll give you that, that it's the closest series. But the Boston Celtics, the way that they destroyed, swept the Brooklyn Nets, Nets level, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's over. Blow up the Nets. Okay, just kidding. Just keep the team together. You'll see what happens next year when you get Ben Simmons back, right? No. I don't think so. I don't see it. But let's look at what we're looking at ahead as we got Boston and the Bucks. If I'm picking that series, I definitely have the... I've got the Celtics winning that series. I do. And I don't even know if it's close. I mean, I was looking at the BPI and it said Boston has 62% chance of winning. I think Boston's defense will be able to find a way to... Look, you can't really shut down Giannis. But you can hold him back some. 
And I think that, you know, they both have some gritty, some gritty players. Both teams do. But I think if they can find a way to make it tough for Giannis in the paint with Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Al Horford, they can win that series. And I think they end the chances of the Bucks repeating. Not so much because the Celtics are better. The Celtics got a break. No Chris Middleton is what's making me say they're going to win that series. That's the only thing that's making me. So I think if they end up losing a series, losing the series, that's a big disappointment to me for the Celtics. Because I think they should win that series handily. I think they should. Next series, Heat Sixers. I say the Heat win it in six, maybe five. No Joel Embiid? I mean, come on. Nobody's thinking the Sixers can win this. And I'm sorry, but I'm I just it's Doc Rivers' fault. You should have had your star on the bench. You should have been like, yo, I need to be healthy for the next series. When you were up 20, you should have said, get out of the game. If this if the Toronto Raptors get it to within 10, okay, put them back in. But no, I'm sorry. Doc made a mistake. Doc made a big mistake. I think the Heat are such a better defensive team. Similar to the Celtics. They're so good on defense. I mean, I just I just don't see it. Unless James Harden somehow comes back and has an amazing, amazing series and shoots the lights out, which won't happen. I just don't see it. I could see the Heat in five, really. I could see the Heat in five. Going to the West. The Suns should win this series handily in my mind. The Suns' defense has to find a way to shut down Luka. Maybe if you put bridges on Luka. Make it tough for him on defense. I don't think that the Dallas Mavericks have another option. I don't see any way that the Suns lose this series. I think they could win it in five, maybe six. If Devin Booker stays healthy and is in the series... You'll see a couple good games from Dallas, but I think the Suns win this win that series easily. I think actually I'm gonna say five. I'm going ahead and say five. In the last series, 
The Golden State Warriors are favored at minus 265 plus 215 versus the Grizzlies. Now, Memphis could play amazing. And we're going to say, wait, what? Whoa, whoa, what? But I think what I saw in Golden State getting into a rhythm against Denver and what I saw on the other side of the of, of the draw, the way that Memphis was giving up big leads to Minnesota, let me tell you something. The Warriors are like sharks. They are going to be eating at the Memphis Grizzlies as sharks. The Memphis Grizzlies, you down 20 against Golden State, you're not coming back to win that game. The Warriors are not going to let you back in the game. And I think the Memphis Grizzlies, they've had a great run. But I think the Warriors win this in six at home. I mean, realistically, the Warriors at one point had the best record in the NBA. They're champions. They know how to play. They know how to win. And Draymond Green is going to get in the Memphis Grizzlies' head. And I think that John Morant gave him a little bit of bulletin board material. To all of the teams talking about, yeah, yeah, you better worry about us. We ain't scared of nobody. We're coming up the chimney. Okay. All right, we'll see. I think they'll see themselves sitting at home after this Warrior series. Now, if they win it, that means they won it. But realistically, I think the Warriors will win this series in six games. And then we're looking at a Eastern and Western Conference Finals, Celtics, Heat, Warrior Suns. That's like a Northwest, Southwest versus Northeast, South Beach matchup. It's going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Last thing I want to talk about is Major League Baseball. Don't got a lot to talk about. But I got something that hurts my heart. I mean, I didn't pick up Trevor Bauer. He should have. He deserved another suspension. He's getting two years. That's not what hurts my heart. But I, I had it here, something I wanted to talk about. But I'm like, no, I'm not going to talk about it. So I probably shouldn't have said anything. The Orioles are already in last place at 7-14. and 14. They're not going anywhere. The Washington Nationals are in last place at 7-16 and 16 as of today as I'm recording this on Sunday. But I don't like to see players. Now granted, Max Scherzer has played on a lot of teams before. So it's like, okay, whatever. But the Mets at 15-7... and 7, and Max Scherzer as the best pitcher in baseball, it's just sad to see. That's all I really wanted to talk about in baseball. My fantasy team's doing well. I'm undefeated, but it's early. Minnesota Twins are in the Central at 12-9. and 
I took a flyer on them to get to the World Series, maybe. But all the teams you expect are playing well. Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, Red Sox, Giants, Dodgers, Padres. But it's the Mets. Even the Angels are playing well, which makes me happy with Shohei Otani. Huh? Are the Angels going to make some noise this year? Are they going to finally put it together? That will be exciting. That will be really exciting. I got to find a way to be able to go see Shohei Otani. I may have to just fly somewhere to go see him. Well, I guess, you know, maybe going to drive to Cleveland or Washington or Phillies. I don't really want to see him play the Phillies. But I hope I can make it to a game where he gets to pitch and bat. But the Mets. With Kyle Schwarber. Against the Phillies. You think about former players. I always talk about with the Wizards, but now it seems like it's just as tough with the Nationals. Trey Turner. When are we going to say Juan Soto? Bryce Harper. Okay. We'll see what happens with the Mets. But they're first in the NL East. And we're just going to have to eat it. And then see the Washington Nationals get sold to hopefully Jeff Bezos. I don't know. Somebody who maybe will then increase the payroll. And then we'll be one of the top teams again. We'll see. But it's sad when you see your Orioles and your Nats in last place. It's really sad. But so it goes. So it goes. And that'll do it for Just for Sport. Hope you enjoyed your NFL draft and you're excited for your team. If you're looking forward to the second round of NBA playoffs, whether your team is in or not, should be competitive. That'll do it for Just for Sport. To the window! Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code J for Sport, and Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today. 